Today's episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast is brought to you by AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Welcome to another episode of the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. Today we're talking with Ashley from Big Smoke Barbecue UK. Uh, He is a back garden barbecuer that has now turned his passion into an events business. Uh, I'll let Ashley talk to you all about his journey. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak to us on the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast. For anyone who might not know, please introduce yourself to the audience. So my name's Ashley. I'm 29 from Herefordshire and I love to smoke barbecue, basically. Um, I never originally loved smoking barbecue. In fact, I hated cooking growing up. And whenever my mum would try and get me to come in the kitchen and cook with her, I'd always say, no, no, I'm going to go play football with my mates. And uh, (laughs) growing up, yeah, hated it. And um, just ended up cooking Texas-style barbecue almost all the time. So never knew I loved cooking. Now I do. So that's, that's basically, that's me. How did you go from hating it to cooking texas barbecue all the time there must there's a big gap in between <laughs> yeah so um well i growing up hated it and then slowly started to dabble with things that weren't just beans on toast which sometimes was still a challenge <laughs> as, a, as a teenager <laughs> growing up <laughs> um and then just slightly got interested in cooking family meals and sort of trying to fend for myself a little bit growing up and we bought our own home, me and my partner, and she cooks as well, but I kind of felt like I just needed to get used to actually using an oven. So just got cooking really and really enjoyed cooking our meals and noticing that you can actually use seasoning and things to make food taste good rather than just basic dinners. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just went from there really. And the interesting story is about how I got started in Texas barbecue, but um I just kind of wanted to get started with cooking basic things. And then we, as I said, bought our house, but didn't have a barbecue. And being so uninterested in barbecue, I waited a whole year before buying one. And knowing absolutely nothing about outdoor cooking, I thought I was just buying a cheap, cheap and cheerful charcoal barbecue from Argos. When it came, it turned out that it was actually an offset smoker. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And I had no idea how to use it. Didn't even know how to use a charcoal barbecue. So I just basically went on YouTube as typically as it would be and just went from there, really. And I studied, I don't know if you've heard of him, you probably have, but Mad Scientist Barbecue. Mm -hmm. I think I just put in on YouTube how to cook on an offset. I don't, don't even know if I put offset smoke. I don't even know if I was that clued up with the technical words of it at the time. I think it was just a case of how do I use this this barbecue basically. And um for months and months just watched the videos and just went from there really just cooking brisket and all sorts on this little cheap barbecue and seemed to love it. So then so you've done all this this um research did you decide to cook brisket is that one of the first things that you decided to cook on that barbecue yeah so uh 
gemacht. I had a bit of a harsh reality check when I was watching all these videos and you know in America they say things like oh I just picked up this brisket from a local HEB or my grocery store. So <laughs> I went down to our grocery store, our supermarkets <laughs> to go and buy a huge brisket and I realized that that's that's not a thing. We just don't have that. So I opted for the next best thing which was a cheap rolled brisket from the supermarket took it home was really excited to cook it I had no temperature gauges well I had one on the smoker but they're terrible the, the real cheap ones are anyway <laughs> I had no temperature probes I had nothing I was just basically sat in the garden with my beer watching this brisket salt and pepper I think I just put salt and pepper on it and um I did I remember it I did um a big tray of mac and cheese I also did some kind of bourbon glazed beef dripping onions to go in the in this bun I was going to do with it and some some uh, barbecue sauce and the brisket itself actually tasted good but I've got a picture of it and it's so funny to look I just basically hacked at it I just chopped it into like pieces um had a real good smoke ring on but I would love to go back and taste it again because what I remember it to be like was probably it's probably terrible <laughs> but I just chucked it in this bun with mac and cheese and stuff all over it so you couldn't really taste it and um it went really well and I think I just got hooked then because I thought actually this is a really good excuse to sit in the garden all day and just be a man and watch my barbecue food and drink beer or whiskey and smoke a cigar and just kind of have an excuse to say I can't do anything today I'm watching my barbecue so I just loved it <laughs> I mean, that's you know, the dream. Yeah. yeah. And a barbecue is incredibly addictive. So I'd love to know how you go from that point and how long it takes to go from there to Big Smoke Barbecue, doing private events and things for people. Was that gradual or was it, now I'm obsessed, I'm throwing everything at this to improve what I'm doing? Well, I remember, um, I think it was around May or June, I cooked that brisket in 2021. Um, so we moved in in uh oh no that's sorry it was the year before it was tw 2019 that we moved into our home and um in 2020 so a whole year later I started cooking that I think I left it a little while I did a few ribs and stuff really enjoyed it and then as the weather got a bit bad I decided to put it to one side a little bit but I was really still just watching the videos more um it was just me and my partner and it still is so kind of cooking ribs and brisket all the time and massive poor pork shoulders it was just the money because we just wouldn't eat it all so I kind of left it a while and I thought I'm very kind of once I get into something I'm all in on it and then maybe I'll leave it for a while and then maybe never go back to it so I thought I'd leave it a lot, little while see if it's something I am genuinely interested in and then I'll probably pick it back up so that's exactly what happened around Easter 2021 I think I just started cooking ribs all the time and just really getting into it again and I was show, showing what I was doing on Facebook and Instagram on my own personal pages and then um, I'm actually part of a local investment club and there's there's 20 members so it's a little bit less then and they just said we're going to do a barbecue in the in the field for our event do you want to do the food so I thought, wow, okay, <laughs> this is a bit of a, this is different to just cooking some little baby back ribs on the, on the tiny offset. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a different smoker. I just bought a, basically a, a slightly better version of the one I had already and did this event for, I think it was about 14, 15 people. 
doing brisket, chuck roast, ribs, and I did these sort of burnt end type sausages on the on the little smoker. And I think from that point, when that went really well and people gave me genuinely great feedback, apart from the ribs, which is the barbecue fail I'll get into later. Um <laughs> They, they loved the food and actually people were talking about it in the club six months later. And every sort of couple of months they'd say, oh, I want to try your food again. I want to try your food. And I think it kind of planted a bit of a seed from then. Mm-hmm. I just kept studying and watching videos. And I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but it drives my partner mad, I'm sure. Most nights I'll just watch YouTube in bed before I go <laughs> to sleep. It's just like a ritual I have. I'll just go to bed for about... An hour i'm just watching these youtube videos on brisket anything i can find just yeah i love it and what specifically about the texas style is uh because i know that you're talking a lot about briskets ribs pulled pork and things what what is it you love so much about that kind of flavor profile, i think I, I think it's probably just the fact that i accidentally bought that type of smoker which lends itself best to that style and mm-hmm. when i YouTubed how to use it and I got hooked on um Jeremy Yoda's or Mad Scientist Barbecue's channel. I kind of just took his word as gospel, which is not a bad thing because he's a great teacher, but I just kind of honed in on that. And I did have a look at other types of barbecue, but I didn't want to just get confused with all the different types. And I mean, I was kind of taking what they said as this is it, you know, this is the best way to cook. This is, and they, they were kind of convincing and, and rightly so in the way they, they said it in all the different channels I'd watched. And I think it's just the simplicity of it, but also the fact that you look at the pictures of these barbecue trays and um, Hurtado Barbecue do the best pictures of this. And you just look at their presentation of all the brisket, the ribs and everything in this tray. And I just thought that looks like the best barbecue ever. Like I can't see how you could really beat that. And I just loved it. It felt like more of a primal way of cooking, just on the open fire, the proper wood splits and stuff. When I was chucking wood on the fire and, you know, splitting the logs and stuff, I just thought this is, has to be one of the oldest ways of making food, cooked food. This obviously is the, the original way of, of heating food. So it just felt more of, a, more of a natural way of doing it and more of a skilled way of doing it as well. So I, I think I kind of accidentally stumbled on the hardest, but the most fun way of cooking food. So, yeah. And the thing is, you've talked about your partner come, becoming what my wife describes it as, as a kind of like a barbecue widow, kind of every <laughs> yeah. night you're on there. But, you know, there's other types of tube that I'm sure other men are watching in bed every night, which is bothering the partner. So it could, <laughs> yeah. be, a lot, it could be a lot worse. Is she coming round now to the amount you're barbecuing and enjoying the food? Or is it something she's just letting you do and letting going on in the background? <laughs> uh, well, I started cooking more and more of it. And in the end, she she did love the food, obviously. Of course, it was it was, it was good and I'm, I'm, I was happy with it and still am. But when I decided to do this as a business, I kind of just said, well, I need your help. And <laughs> she has restaurant experience. I have none. So I was kind of like leaning on her a little bit to say, you know, with front of house stuff, what do I do? Because I don't know. I just kind of cook the food. I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to the service or anything. And I think one of the main reasons why I decided to do this 
on my own, but with with her, is that we could do it together. Not the cooking side of it, but when we do events, she's the one selling the food, taking the orders, doing all of the you know the the menu, the writing down of all the menu, and it's something we do together. So all the events is is our thing, which is great because it gets her involved, and also she can see the journey that I'm on with it as well as um, being part of it. So it's it's really good, and I'm really grateful as well because if if she wasn't involved. I think it would have been very difficult to get somebody on board. Mm-hmm. So talk talk us through kind of where you are now then with doing that first event for your investors club to, as you mentioned, yourself and your partner now kind of, you know, having having this business. So talk us through kind of what, what your setup is in terms of the business. What, what, what are you now doing regularly and what are you cooking for people? So now we do a variety of different things, really, um, which wasn't the plan, but I wanted to just stick to the Texas style barbecue and I was adamant that anything else, but I kind of realized quickly that it reminds me a little bit of like when people set open up shops in towns because they love what it is that they, they do. So people that open up like model train set shops, they love it, but most people probably don't. And I realized that was probably the same for me. I didn't want to be tunnel visioned and say, no, I'm just doing brisket because I mean, I didn't even know what brisket was three, four years ago. So people in my town don't really follow barbecue like that. So I decided to do smash burgers and birria tacos. But now we just we basically just cater for private events, parties, and also pop-ups in breweries and things like that. We've got our gazebo set up. I've got um, my huge smoker, which I don't take with me. I would love to, but it's just not on wheels and trailers and stuff. We've got an auto sham holding oven which is really good and just basically a pop-up setup with a gazebo and it's quite simple but it works really well and it's a way to sort of merge to however the people want me to set up so if it's on grass or whatever we can still do it or a difficult place to set up so I really love how it's it's progressing I think the way that I started doing it was I do home collections. So I don't know if you've seen Wilson's Barbecue's YouTube channel, but he has a video on there that described how to set, how he runs a Texas style barbecue business from home. And I kind of replicated that. And so every so often we will offer a home takeaway night. That was the initial barbecue business plan. But from then on, people wanted us to do events and stuff. So now we're in the event space and hoping to grow and get maybe some staff members or something next year and, really take it to the next level really and when you're out and about doing these events are you still using an offset smoker have you got one on a trailer or are you kind of pre-doing the briskets and then keeping them warm and then kind of slicing as, as, as the orders come in yeah so i cook everything on my big offset at home and then um i've got cambro which we trans transport everything in and i take the auto sham with me and then i'll just basically set up as it was before at home but without the smoker i would love to take the smoker with me but it's just too big and getting it in and out of the house well, around the house took me hours so i don't want to go through that again <laughs> are you still cooking on the same smoker that you were a couple of years ago or, oh or, no or, no way I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh night um well funnily enough a year ago today i did the queen's jubilee party mm-hmm. and i kind of wanted to see how my family and friends would react to trying the barbecue food that haven't tried it before 
And it was a little bit of a trial run to think if people do really like it, then I'm hoping I get some feedback that would like lean towards me starting this as a business because I had the idea. And the feedback was genuine. It was that case that I, I needed, I should do that. So I did my first home collection night and I had two tiny offsets going round the clock. And I realized quite quickly then when I put this huge brisket in there and it took up the whole cooker, that this isn't going to work long term. I'm just not going to be able to do this. Um, so now I've got a gator pit, which is from Houston, Texas. I don't know if you, but it was handmade in Houston. It was shipped over here to somebody else. And then I bought it from them. And I think it's around a 200 gallon pit, but it weighs three quarters of a ton. So getting that around the side of the house on stones was, yeah, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Has it got any wheel like casters or anything? Yeah, it's got casters, yeah. but it just got beached basically every time I tried to move it. So <laughs> I had to get little like pieces of wood and use a car jack, a manual car jack, jack it up, put the, the wood under it, then slide it across, and then basically repeat that process for about three hours. <laughs> yeah, that's never going. That is never going. Yeah. And like if you ever decide to move, that'll be a very difficult decision about whether that just stays or whether you have to try and get it out. Yeah. I mean, I want to put it on wheels, but I'm worried it won't fit down the side of the house because I had to take the fence post out to get the smoker in. <laughs> so when when um, my partner said, oh, what, what are you going to do? You're just going to you leave it there. What if someone tries to steal it? And I said, well, good luck to them because there's no way that's going anywhere. Yeah, I say that about the Camado, you know, getting the monolith out and it's nowhere near as heavy as that. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, you're still looking at like 90 kilos that someone's going to have to try and kind of quietly move around out the back of the house. Yeah. You know, they deserve it if they can get that out. <laughs> But some, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's like best part of a ton. Good luck. Yeah, I'd almost be clapping, going, "Go on, you can do yeah. it." Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll give them, we'll give them another two hours. We'll give them another two hours, then we'll call the police because it still yeah. won't be around the back. <laughs> when they think they've almost got it, that's when they'll <laughs> they'll get nicked. <laughs> I actually want to change the subject slightly before, and then I want to come back to brisket, Ashley. But um, yes. for pe- for people that are listening to this, won't be able to see what we can see, but for people watching on YouTube would. We often talk about having drinks with, with barbecue and, you know, you, you judge a brisket on how many beers you've had, right? Or yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I've noticed that you've got a very impressive collection it looks like a collection of about 30 bottles of whiskey behind you or rum. Spirits. i think it's rum is it rum well, what you can see is actually whiskey yeah is it? um i've got just whiskey. under 100 bottles oh wow yeah blame right. my father-in-law for that it's not me um, we're gonna have to be careful because i love whiskey and we could talk about ages what, what is your favorite whiskey um so i've probably got two favorites um one of them is um, the Glen Farkless 21. And that's only because it's the most expensive whiskey I think I own. And it was a gift from a friend. But the other one is called Glen Turret 12. It's right. not too expensive, but well, it is about £50, but I think it's probably gone up in price now. But there are so many ones that I could probably say that are my favourite. But I would say those two and maybe Hibiki as well. Yeah, Hibiki's good. I love um, I love a port cask finish. Yeah. So um, the favourite whiskey I've had is, I can't pronounce it probably either, which is stupid, but the Glen Morangi Quantaraban. 
Yeah. And they do nice. they do a 12 or a 14 year. I actually prefer the 12, but harder to get hold of. And yeah. it was something like six or seven years ago before the pandemic, one Christmas, for whatever reason, Waitrose had them at 25 quid a bottle. And my dad and I went in and we literally bought our 10 bottles each. And we, we we had them for ages, but once it ran out, there's something like 80 or 90 quid now. Yeah. The 14 years are cheaper. I know it's all to do with how rare they are and if it, if it was a weird year, because obviously dud year, then you're going to have much less. But I'm kind of waiting for those to try and fall back down in price. But I love a portcast finish. Absolutely love it. I've got a Glamourangi, Um, It's called Midwinter's Night Dram. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had that. Bought, yeah, my partner, my partner bought me that for Christmas. And I think it was about £25. Now you just can't buy it. I think it's like over £100. It, it, it's, it's really strange how it was done for that Christmas. You just yeah. don't see it anymore. And you wonder why, because it was a popular drink. But I, I can see Owen slowly glazing over because he's not a whiskey man. <laughs> <laughs> I also have I some should... cognac as well, if you're interested in that. I, I unfortunately, Ashley, just I was to say, I unfortunately did the typical got too drunk off whiskey once. Um, I used to quite like whiskey, and yeah, now it just turns my stomach a little bit. So, the difficulty for I'll, me is I love whiskey and I love red wine, but you can't really drink both because well, you can, <laughs> but good luck the next day. So, <laughs> I kind of have to pick and choose what I'm going to drink in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I so is, is it. Is, is the red wine, you know, whilst you're warming up the smoker and then you get onto the whiskey once you're sat down, you've done the spritz in and, and then you can kind of get your cigar out and relax? Well, I tend to go for a beer or something first. Um, it's funny because it feels almost like I'm doing something wrong when I'm cooking when I'm working, really, because it feels like, you know, trimming all the briskets and stuff, I'll leave it and then I'll once all the meat's in, I'm literally there like, phew, now I can breathe and then I'll have a little whiskey or a, or a beer or something no you've earned it it's fine yeah. it's absolutely fine um you know what you mentioned trimming a brisket there so some people might have seen i i've been talking for ages and ages about investing in a proper good grain-fed piece of meat because whenever i'd done briskets before i'd been afraid of messing them up so i hadn't invested so i went out i got a john davidson sao paulo um brisket with five kilos which uh had been reduced and it was phenomenal like one of if not the best thing i've done on barbecue it was the most impressive to look at anyway and the stuff's on instagram but i'd never trimmed a brisket before and like you, I'll watch YouTube video after YouTube video and made it all aerodynamic and everything. And I had the leftover meat uh, fat, which I made beef tallow from. But to what extent does that trimming make a difference? Someone who's cooking commercially, surely you'll know to a certain extent. And how perfect or perfect in inverted commas sh- should you be aiming for for that trim? I think it very depends on the brisket you've got, really. And that was something that I didn't want to know I was kind of like oh please let me just I'm hoping they're all the same <laughs> and they're not <laughs> so I've bought briskets like you've really seen before I've bought briskets grass-fed and things like that from my local butchers and they've they've turned up and I thought oh no <laughs> this is not what I thought this is going to be so they it's hard because you as you said you have to make them aerodynamic that's the goal really but I think it's just a case of 
making sure you've got that even fat layer as, as much as possible on the brisket. And some of them don't come with much fat at all, especially if they're, they're grass fed. Um, but some of them just come with, with loads. But I think it's so important that you try and get every bite the same throughout, because if you're serving them to customers, they're expecting this, the same thing that the last person bought and the next person after them will think the same. So it's kind of hard to, to get it perfect because it's all different. But I think you just have to look at it from more of a shape perspective, that when you're going to slice that brisket, each slice kind of has to be similar, at least as much as possible. Does that mean that you're separating the point and flat at some point or selling them separately? Because obviously one is going to be done before the other, you know? Yeah. So I sell. Um, so what we usually do at an event is I will do a um, I'm going to change the menu, but I usually do a big and a small tray. Mm-hmm. So with a big tray, I tend to go for the point end mm-hmm. cuts so they get the best brisket there is really and yeah. then for the smaller trays they'll get probably equal in weight of what they've served i've served on this big tray but just more um you know the lean brisket which in a way sometimes i prefer it the flat depends how it's been cooked um so at the point brisket can be quite fatty and i'm not a huge fan of fat on meat but when done right with brisket it's amazing but it can taste a little bit over the top with the fatty side of it. Um, So I don't serve it separately or anything like that. It's more just a case of whatever someone's ordered, but I will tend to give them slightly more lean brisket than point end. And from a weight perspective as well, because it will Mm -hmm. weigh weigh less than point end. Just out of interest, um, we've spoken about this a number of times on the podcast with various people. Grain fed, grass fed. Yeah. Um, do you have a preference? Ideally, grain fed, but getting that over here for a good price is almost impossible. And I've found that I've been really lucky with John Davidson's brisket, the XM Gold, and that's what Wilson's Barbecue uses. And if it's good enough for him, then it's good enough for anyone. So. I kind of just stick with those. Um, they're not, they're expensive, but they're not like ridiculous. They're about 85 pounds for the five kilo, which is still a lot of money, but it's not, you know, we're not talking USDA prime shipped over here or something like that, where it's two, three, 400 pounds. Mm. Cause you're just never going to make any money as a business perspective. But I would be, I think I'd be shaking from start to finish cooking that. That's what's always scared me. I mean, the reason mm-hmm. that I got this, this piece of brisket that I ordered from them, that was again, phenomenal was um, it should have been 90 pounds, but it'd been reduced to 70. I thought, you know, now is the time to bite the bullet and give it a go. And because it doesn't have that US on it, you know, it's it's like half the price and it it was great. Um, I have had good results as well on on grass fed and the the feels very different though. You know, the, like the mouthfeel, how it's looking, how it's cut and it still be moist as anything. Don't get me wrong. But um, I, I want to try Meat Matters. I've heard a lot of good things about them. And I, that, that's kind of going to be my next purchase um, for that. But um, at the moment, I'm just blown away by what I cooked the other day. Like, so, it did so look good. good. I, did, I did see it. It did look really good. <laughs> um, I know Owen is very 
passionate about grass fed and i think he's also got a very he's got a very good point as well about like the carbon footprint and and the air miles and everything like that as well um which you know i i just need to find the right balance in the middle and also regularly compared to special occasion is very different too you know well i i'm i'm in herefordshire and i'm born in hereford i still live very close to it and it almost feels criminal to try and use a different cut of meat because hereford beef is one of the best you can buy but it's just it just doesn't work as well for low and slow because there just mm-hmm. isn't that fat content on there mm-hmm. for steaks and things like that it is phenomenal it's one of the best cuts you can get but it just doesn't just doesn't suit the way that I cook the briskets, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I've had some from my local butcher that have been really good and I have served them and sold them and they have been really good, but I'm just kind of looking for that perfect bite. And I think I've only really got that from the John Davidson's briskets, which is a shame because I would like to use my local butcher for the brisket, but it's nothing to do with it. It's not their fault. It's just the way the meat is and it just isn't quite there. Mm-hmm. I suppose as well, it's not like you have the same sort of options they do in America where you can go in and they'll have a big number and you can look for yourself at the marbling and then pick out what you want. It's normally, i found, if you go to like a local butcher, what brisket do you have? Do you have any? Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And even when you order it in, you kind of get what they've ordered and then you look at it and think, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. If you've been looking or thinking about an outdoor kitchen, then look no further than AOS Outdoor Kitchens. They are the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists. Their extensive showroom is based just outside Bournemouth on the Dorset Hampshire border and as well as numerous in-store displays, also features a live outdoor kitchen where they cook every week on Kamado grills, pizza ovens and all filmed and shown on YouTube. They offer a wealth of knowledge on how to transform your patio into the most incredible outdoor dining area with styles and options to suit every budget. And you can guarantee they will be able to create something perfectly suited to you and your home. They stock and supply everything that you're going to need for outdoor cooking, including barbecues, Kamado ovens, pizza ovens, outdoor fridges and every accessory that you would need to become the ultimate outdoor chef. So if you want to make yourself the envy of your friends and neighbours, get in touch with them today to arrange a consultation and take the first step in transforming your back garden into the most incredible entertainment space. Visit aoskitchens.co.uk. Actually, we want to talk, you've already mentioned that you've got some uh, things lined up for us. So should we we dip into some of the things that haven't worked so well for you, uh, either personally or when you've been doing it as a business? I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you've got. Well, uh, with the with the barbecue fail specifically, um, I did that investment club event and I thought, oh, I'll just do brisket, chuck roast. Um, I'll do ribs and I'll do some kind of burnt ends with some sausages or something like that. That'll be fine. I'm sure that'll feed everybody. Everyone will be happy with that. I took my little smoker along to this field and was cooking there. And I realized quite quickly that something's wrong here because I am not going to be able to fit all that meat on this smoker. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know why I got this stupid idea. You've probably seen it in any offset or anything like that you've you've had before, but in the cook chamber, you've got these lower lower level grates, which aren't for barbecuing on. I don't know why they're there, but they're for something. Maybe it's just to put the charcoal on. I don't know, but I put my water pans on there normally. 
So there'd be this lower level grate. And then on top of that would be where you actually put the meat. And I had my water pan in the one side nearest the firebox, had my brisket and my chuck roast on the top. And I thought, I wonder if those ribs will cook at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so I chucked the ribs on the bottom and um, yeah, they were, they were, they looked great from, from above, but <laughs> underneath they were, they were as, as black as the ace of spades. They were absolutely horrendous. <laughs> so I was kind of like scraping them off and uh, trying to source them up and stuff. And um, a few people said, oh, they, they tasted nice, but I think they were just being nice because I didn't really want to serve them to anyone. They were, they were horrible, honestly. And I don't just, I don't know why to this day I thought that would be a good idea. <laughs> it's a learning process, right? And and we all, there is a moment in barbecue that all, can happen to you at any point, And it comes from nowhere where mild panic sets in when you realize that what you had planned isn't going to happen. And it's how you control that panic. And if you're sensible, if you think, oh, just lob it all in, you know, very yeah. easy kind of overload things or get stuff in the way or the other classic as well, depending on what you're using. So if you've got deflector plates in, anything around the edge is not going to get the same sort of protections in the middle. So you chuck stuff around the edge and before you know it, all those bits are charred up and, and you know, you've got to think on your feet. But yeah. it, it's also about having the versatility to go, all right, this has gone wrong. How do I fix it? Yeah. You talk about like sourcing up and things there. I'm guessing with the amount of practice you've got now, that happens a lot less often. Do you, do you still have time? Do you think, right, how do I save this? What do I do? Yeah, so uh, before Christmas, our oven packed up. And um, what I have done before in the past, and I know this is probably a, a no-no in some people, when a brisket's wrapped, I tend to just put it in the oven to finish sometimes. If I've got nothing on the smoker still cooking, I will just put it in the oven to, to temp. Mm-hmm. And that's worked out really well for me. And just, they do it in professional kitchens in Texas. Yeah. If you, if you need to hold it there at a resting level, you know, what were you setting it at? Are you setting it at like, uh, like 80, 75? Where are you setting to, it? To hold it, I would. But in terms yeah. of when I've wrapped it, to just to get the brisket to finish, because mm-hmm. it's not taking any more smoke flavor on yeah. once it's wrapped, I would then put it in the oven to get it up to around 190. Then I'd start probing it for tenderness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I did was we, had our oven break down so we bought a new oven and you've probably done it yourself you get used to how your oven works and you just whack it to the normal setting for your oven and then you just you you just from muscle memory probably you just do it i did the same thing with our new oven but the oven setting wasn't in the same place as our last oven (laughs) so the brisket was cooking in the oven all right it was going from the grill also the heat was coming from the grill the bottom the top and from the bottom and in the fan at the middle so this brisket <laughs> finished in like half an hour and i was thinking this isn't right something's there's no way that it's done that in half an hour it should be like two hours three hours and um yeah it would basically i basically just singed the whole brisket there was no fixing that it was it was done and that was for an event as well <laughs> um so yeah that that wasn't great um i have my auto sham does actually cook as an oven as well but Mm -hmm. i don't like setting it to those those temperatures because if one thing's ready and i need to put it in there i'm kind of wasting the oven space if i do ever use it so Mm -hmm. the the auto sham is just used for um hot hold overnight as you were saying it's around 
150 Fahrenheit, 155. I like to I like to get it a little bit hotter than the 145 that they like to slice them in restaurants, just because when you're trying when you're lifting it out of the the sham and putting it on the board, slicing it, it won't be 145 when you slice into it. It'll be probably slightly less. Mm-hmm. And then on the plate as well, it's going to be even colder. So I like to just go slightly hotter than that. But that outer sham has been a lifesaver. It really has. Have you got any more fails you want to share with us? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I think that's probably the main ones, I would say. Um, I loved how you said that. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold them to myself. I'm going to keep them to me, the other ones. <laughs> I, would, I would say maybe the fails were, the other fails were just using those cheap briskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I basically couldn't have made it any harder for myself from the start because they got no fat cap on there. They look a bit like a tongue when you roll mm-hmm. them out. And then they just don't cook the same. It's not even worth calling it a brisket, really. It's just for, for smoked anyway, for smoked meat. It's just not the same. And I just kept cooking them over and over again just to get the process right. But I'd say, oh, you know, try this, try that. I tried pieces of this brisket. And some of it was so dry. But I was just so impressed with the smoke ring that I got or the bark that I didn't really care what the brisket tasted like. It was just, did I manage to cook this brisket? Did I get it up to temperature? And that was it. But yeah, looking back, yeah. those are some pretty big fails. <laughs> I've uh, I have I don't think this is a fail. It's just more stupidity. I've recently <laughs> bought master um, built portable charcoal uh, barbecue. You know, just to sort of take out and about. First time I was using it a couple of days ago. Although by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple of months. Um, it it's got a little hopper, uh, and you basically you've got like a tray that you kind of tuck your fire lighter into and then put the chalk on and it's fan assisted as well which is which is quite cool so it does hold you can choose your temperature type type thing anyway I, I looking back i don't even know why i did it i wanted to see if the um fire lighter had gone out and if the charcoal had taken just again trying to get some new to a piece of equipment and i saw the charcoal at the top and i was like oh that's still black picked it up and obviously it underneath and i've literally burnt the end of my finger it's, t- it's it's literally burnt my um ne- like a layer of my nail off oh wow wow i just i just yeah it the, the nail kind of almost took a sort of semicircle dip i have no idea why blooming picked it up needless <laughs> to say that the fire lighter had gone out and the charcoal had taken so uh, if, uh, if, if it's taken like Part of your fingerprint off, though. Now's the time to go and steal my smoker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You've got, you've got, a, you've got like a four-hour window to drive there, and then a further three hours to get it out. But you know, you'll get away with it. Um, the only fail that I've had recently is um, the people over at Delavita were nice enough to loan owning us um, one of their ovens to to try out for a few weeks, and. Um, First time I got it, being very different process, you kind of light it, you stack up the wood, you light it, you get the wood light, push it to the back of the oven. I thought, right, I just, just want a bit more flames going here before I really start to get going, bring the heat up quicker. So I spent like 25 minutes getting everything ready, lit, push it to the back. I get like the blower, tried to put a little bit of air in it, 
blow it out. <laughs> I was like, that's half an hour of my life gone. <laughs> Couldn't then get anything back close enough. I was like, right, start again, relight. That's that classic that you've got people over. And you're like, you know how I was going to do your pizza in the next kind of 15 to, no, nah, nah, just yeah. go do your own thing. Go, come back in an hour and uh, we'll, we'll talk then. I would so, say a recent fail actually for me was um, I was using my Weber kettle. I got Weber 57. Mm-hmm. And I put my temperature probe in the meat, uh, did a pork belly, um, brisket pork belly kind of, but I did crispy skin pork belly. So I just basically flipped it over at the end mm-hmm. on the direct heat. Being stupid, I just moved the pork belly onto the direct heat with the skin, flipped it over, and the temperature probe was still in the meat. <laughs> oh, so no. the probe's no good now because it's just completely <laughs> broke. The, the wires just burned to a crisp. Oh, no. I think it almost separated in the Weber. So like you've got the wire just dangling on its own and you've got the probe still in the pork <laughs> belly. <laughs> uh, yeah, because oh. I was so used to using the offset that I just didn't think that it was going to be over the direct heat. Yeah, um, yeah. The fat dripping as well just made it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it. But, but did the skin crisp up? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the most important thing, right? It did. Yeah, it did. Wicked. Well, actually, we didn't ask. You've, we've obviously been talking a lot about offset smokers. Do you have, uh, and obviously you've just mentioned a Weber kettle. Do you have any, uh, any other barbecues? So I have got three offsets and the Weber kettle. The other two offsets, the one is basically dead in the corner of the garden. Um, it's all rusted through. That was the one I used at the event. And I have a second one, which is very cheap off Facebook that I don't really use for anything other than just at home if I ever want to cook something quick on there. That was um, that was bought specifically for that Jubilee event because I knew that one from my mistake before, that one little offset cooker is not going to be enough. So. I went and bought this other one, quite similar, just cheap off Facebook that I use. And I'm planning on doing some YouTube videos on there of how to use cheap offsets to produce good food. Because I think there's a little bit of snobbery maybe with things like that, that, you know, you see on these Instagram pages where they have these massive smokers and everything, and it's all done proper, of course. But you can make great food in very basic equipment because the way I think of it is back in the old days, they didn't have thermometer probes, digital, everything. It was basically just a pit. So you can cook great food on cheap barbecues. That's why I've still got them. I want to do, like I said, some videos on there. And the Weber kettle I bought just for practicality, really, just for quick cooks yeah. as well. And they're so versatile. I mean, as you know, you can cook briskets in there. You can cook anything in there. They're, they're fantastic pieces of kit. So that's why I got yeah, that one. Yeah. So what would you say is uh, kind of next for you, I suppose, personally in your barbecue journey, but also perhaps for, you know, for, for the business, what, what do you hope to achieve in the next year? Um, so really just to kind of ramp it up, really, in terms of what I'm doing now. So with me working full time, it's quite hard to manage with events. I'm self-employed, but it's kind of hard because I have to obviously cook the day before. So I've got to book the Friday off and then cook all night and then have it Saturday or whatever. Um, I'm just hoping to be able to, in the next year, do more events. But also, um, just quickly, thank you for having me on the show. This is one of the reasons why I, I want, wanted to be on here, so that I can 
put myself out there a bit more because yeah. I want to grow and be known as somebody in this space, not for an ego sense or anything like that. Just, I just want to be somebody that people think of when they think of barbecue. I just want to be um, a public figure, I guess, really within the community and help anybody that may have questions and stuff like that. I'd like to do YouTube videos. Um, I did. It did cross my mind to do a podcast, but honestly, what you guys do and the work you put in, I just cannot imagine the amount it takes. So honestly, it is really, really great what you do. And the fact you've been doing it so long as well and the editing and the time it takes, I just don't think I could put myself through it as well. So honestly. Yeah, Owen, yeah. the editing. <laughs> yeah, Owen, it's the editing that's the difficult part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 oh it's very kind for you to appreciate it yeah thank you Ashley um it's one of those things where if you've got the passion for something like what you're doing now it 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 can be time consuming yes but difficult is it's it's a different word isn't it and like you said with things like kind of YouTube and and everything I know it's an area that Owen's very passionate about and wants to be doing more more on it's just imparting wisdom to people and helping people along which is Every, I mean, we we started this because we wanted people to be talking about barbecue as much as we were, you know, and we, we were sure that out there. But anything that can be done to kind of spread that, and to be fair to the barbecue community, it's a great place where that happens all the time on Instagram. But, you know, saying to people, look, come and find you on Instagram and ask you questions, why not? Yeah, I mean, the thing that made me really appreciate the community was the fact that there are people out there like you said that are really great about just everything just you can just ask questions on posts and they will be there just giving you advice and they're not you know laughing at you or whatever they are they are genuinely there to help and uh, Wilson's barbecue really did help me personally so we chatted a little bit on Instagram and some of the things he he advised me on really helped me set up the business so to go through the, all of the the not so fun stuff like the the health and safety and the food hygiene and all that, it really his advice helped me massively. And I kind of thought even then I would love to be that person for somebody else. And I've kind of always been in like the marketing sort of space um, on Facebook because I did something completely unrelated to barbecue several years ago that allowed me to work for myself online for a couple of years and I and I think I'd like to just take that and put it into the barbecue world so that I can make a living out of it but not because of that reason just so that I can do more barbecue things really I just want to allow myself to to leave my job eventually in a couple of years or something and and I don't see that happening purely from doing events because there are only so many weeks in the year that you can do them within reason i mean you could do them in the winter but it's not as as good and (laughs) seeing outside cooking biscuits in the freezing cold doesn't sound like fun to me even though i love it it's just yeah i've done it a few times now and it sucks (laughs) so (laughs) i'm just hoping to to grow really as a person and just offer advice i suppose great Ashley, I think we've been talking about you cooking a lot. So we should definitely set you a challenge. The yeah. Barbecue Bingo. Barbecue Bingo is brought to you by Lumberjack Food Company. Your ticket to Flavortown. Um, yeah, so this is our Barbecue Bingo wheel. So hopefully you can see the screen. And 
we've got a list of ingredients. Uh, we're going to give it a spin. Whatever it lands on, we'd love you to cook for us. Uh, the difference for season five is we've been asking all of our guests to leave an ingredient for the next guest. So pretty much the whole of this wheel now is based on ingredients uh, that people, other other guests have left, apart from one, which is my signature dish. So, which will be your signature dish. So, if it lands on my signature dish, what are you? What would you cook? I would probably cook um, smoked brisket birria tacos. Nice, I think. Awesome. Okay, yeah. and in your mind, when I give this a spin, have have an ingredient ready. So, uh, let's give it a go. Cool. <laughs> oh, I've, I've landed one there, haven't I? That's like the that's like the nicest Billet. one of all. Billet steak. Yeah. There you go. You got your Hereford. You got your Hereford beef on your doorstep. So exactly. Uh, yeah. You've just given me a, a nice win there, haven't you? <laughs> it's very kind to you. That was. You, <laughs> now this is this is the judgment. Now, isn't it? Are you going to be kind to someone else, or are you going to stitch them up with a really uh, difficult or disgusting ingredient? Well, it's not going to be a disgusting one. It might sound it, but I think it could be an interesting one. Uh, it's probably going to be difficult to find, but butcher should have it. I'm going to say beef neck roast. Beef neck roast. Or just beef neck. So I know Owen does a lot of um, pork neck, but I've not really heard of anyone using beef neck. Well, what do you do with it? Is it low and slow? Is it What, what would you do? Well... I've kind of taken that from Chud's Barbecue. He did a video on um, tacos, which I watched after I, I learned how to make them, but he, I love watching his videos anyway. And he used some really peculiar cuts of beef. Um, one of them was beef neck. And he just cooked them on the offset, got some nice bark on there, and then made it into the barbacoa or the, the tacos, tacos. So... I think it could be I a mean, cool one, maybe like pork said, beef cooked, or something. I've cooked pork neck before, and it was super tender, and really, really nice. I, I should imagine if, if you know, the the beef would be exactly the same. Yeah, it's quite. You a, could do it like a like almost like a pulled brisket style cook. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Great. So, is there anything actually that we haven't spoken about yet that that you'd like to kind of discuss on the on the podcast? Um, no, I don't think so. Other than um, just where you can find me, I guess. Please go tell it. everyone. So, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll be putting in Big Smoke BBQ UK, and Facebook is BBQ, or you can um, you can just message me direct, which is Ashley Tunley, or Ash Tunley on Instagram, and. Just keep an eye out on my posts. Really, I don't post as much in the in the Facebook group as I should, which I'm really guilty of. Um, just trying to build up an Instagram audience because people mostly that follow me that know me locally just know me as in person. So I just post it on my usually on my personal profile as well. Um, but for Instagram, yeah, I'm trying to build it up. Um, I don't quite get the science behind Instagram. Facebook, I, I knew years ago, and I did quite well out. of advertise on facebook but instagram for me is just you know you, you find the trend in audio you do the reels and you get like three likes and you think oh okay i'll try again next time <laughs> so yeah i'm hoping to get some followers <laughs> the trick is to instagram they change the algorithm every few months and so there is no trick to instagram it's just 
keep posting and keep engaging and hopefully at some point something will stick. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it before. I had a steak video, which looked nice, but I have no idea why that one had 15,000 views. And then I can do one exactly the same and it'll get 50. Yeah. No understanding whatsoever. But if you keep putting stuff out, more things will hit. And yeah. that's all anyone can do if they're trying to build Instagram. Yeah, I'm sure there's companies out there that'll say differently, but nah, mate, just go for it. I think the good thing as well is that you just have to put out good food, mm-hmm. first and foremost, really. I mean, social media is great and everything, but in person, if people are going to try it, the food needs to taste good because if it looks good but isn't great to eat, then what's the point, really? Mm-hmm. It's just a very yeah, expensive absolutely. picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank, Ashley, thank you very much for, for coming on to the podcast. It's been a, a, a pleasure to, to meet you and chat with you. Um, perhaps, you know, hopefully we'll get to see you at an event at some point soon, meet in person, get to try some of your brisket. Um, but yeah, again, thank you very much for coming on. Have a great evening. And you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Man. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again, Ashley. You can find him by searching for Big Smoke Barbecue or Big Smoke Barbecue UK on Instagram. And you can see all the great bits and pieces he's put out there. You can message him directly to ask questions and even see if he's got any availability to do any kind of private cooking for you. Although if you're listening in America, I can't promise he's going to fly over. Who knows, though? Don't ask, don't get. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening. You can find us by searching for the Meet and Greet Barbecue podcast at this stage because of Owen's hard work. Stick it in Google. You'll find our website. You'll find us on Instagram. You'll find us on Facebook. Please do follow us on all of those things and get involved. Also, if you're listening through your favorite podcast provider, give us a like give us a review, give us a share, really helps us reach more people. And that as well helps us get the best possible guests on here, like Ashley today, who was fantastic. And until next time, keep on grilling. Today's episode is brought to you by AOS Kitchens, the South's leading outdoor kitchen design and installation specialists.